Okay. Wagwan people. <laughs> I didn't think you were actually going to say it. What? It's just how I talk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. just who you are now. <laughs> You're that guy. Uh, I, I want to open it up before we jump in, just because we're doing Homer's Phobia later for Seth's Classics. Oh, give it away. <laughs> it's going to be in the, the, the magic episode of description. Some people deliberately don't read the description to have the magic of finding out the big reveal of Seb's classic. Do you know this as a fact? Yeah. <laughs> if they tell me. Well, unfortunately, the bit I came up with involved the episode, so I had to. It's just, just in this Homer's phobia, I felt like the right time for me to say this. Of course. I'm a <laughs> homosexual. Oh, I see what you did there. I'm only attracted to men when they dress up as Homer Simpson. Yeah, I like that. And shave their head. And like do the voice yeah, and eat I donuts. It. Yeah. it has to be the hair like the exact same I, way. I, I, I get it, yeah. I get it, yeah. So if you're one. Right, uh, I, I get it, yeah. I get it, yeah. I, I get it, yeah. If you're I, one. I, I, I get it, yeah. I get it. I I, I, I get it. I get it. I, 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 <laughs> He's having a stroke or something. Sorry, guys, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just experience Wait, a human I can't glitch. feel this off my face. <laughs> no, do you smell burnt toast? <laughs> Oh, come. <laughs> <laughs> that's because I was talking about homosexuals. Anyway, guys, welcome to the Sebastian Evans Simpsons podcast, a podcast of myself and Sebastian here do just while we're waiting for another pandemic to happen. Well, since um, I am doing homophobia, yes. maybe we should both say what our biggest phobia is. Ooh, biggest phobia. God, like fear of dying alone. That's a good one. It's a sad one. <laughs> Honestly, like, yeah, like, <laughs> anytime that it's been, like, a while I've been with a woman, I'm like, am I just never going to hook up with someone ever again? Yeah. I think that's a pretty common phobia for me. But my biggest one, I think fear of failure, too. Oof. Should I say a more fun one? <laughs> <laughs> what phobia is fun? Uh, yeah, I guess so, yeah, that's specifically. I don't know, I guess, like, if I said, like, arachnophobia, it's not really as... Deep yeah. as the other, as the others, I mean, but I'm not I scared would, of spiders. I would say I, I am, I do have a phobia of insects. I hate insects. Really? They, okay. They terrify the hell out of me. Mm. Apart from like little fruit flies, I'm pretty much scared of every single insect. Wow, they properly scared. They just creep me out. Man. Like if yeah. there's a spider in your room, would you not get rid of it? It or kill depends it? on the size. Okay. I, I'd be willing to step up to the plate and get rid of it mm. because I'm like, well. I'd be more scared going to sleep knowing it's here. Yeah, sure. Um, I do suck it up because I do. Mm. I have to talk to myself and be like, "Look, you're a fucking grown man, and you're scared of a spider in your room. Just yeah. get, get rid of it." I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. That's and, interesting. Um, Arachnophobia. Suffocation. Suffocation. In what way? Just like dying of suffocation. Like, like, like you're on the tube and there's a bunch of whatever. people on it. No, like say <laughs> you're in a room and it's slowly Ooh. filling with sand or something. You know, sure, like, interesting. That's terrifying. Where that comes from. Well, that's the, uh, Indiana they Jones. Set that as a, as a what you call it, as like a therapist. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think you got that fear from Indiana Jones from no, watching that as a kid. I did almost drown once. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're very young. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. But Jesus. I was so close that my, my everything went blurry and my eyes started fading, and I got pulled out. Jesus. You know what? Actually, as a, a, a less frightening fear, but probably is like the phobia I experience the most on like a regular basis would be claustrophobia. I okay. don't like being in a a squished, confined area with a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, or just like a small space. So you don't like chew? No I don't like to chew when it's busy. No, certainly yeah. not. 
Wow, I fucking hate it. It's happening more and more recently. Is those masculine, manly men who spread themselves out so you don't have an armrest? Yeah. Oh my god, it pisses me off so much. It's just so entitled, first of all, and it's just trying to look cool and shit. I, I had I had a guy one day, an older man, who was like doing a crossword, and he kept like as he was writing on the crossword, he kept like bringing his hand out, like touching me, and he knew he was doing it. Yeah. But he was just pretending he didn't notice my existence. That's so strange. Eventually, I just went, dude. And he ignored me, and I went, fuck this, I just got up. <laughs> People on the tube like that who are just entitled, like, they, they feel like they they deserve all the, the space and comfort like, they what, do you want, want everyone to just stand up and leave a space next to you? Like, assholes, absolute this assholes. This is why I only sit down on the tube. Really? When it's, when it's dead. Okay. But usually I stand It'll up. stand otherwise, it's yeah. busy. I, I never, if I get on the tube and there's not a seat with no one next to the seat, yeah, I won't sit down. Really? I get very annoyed if I can't get a seat. I'm like, oh my God, I fucking paid for this. Like, there's no free seat for me. Is it down? I also you know? feel like when you're standing up, you feel a lot more like confident on the tube and less like anxious. Yeah. When you're, especially when it's busy and you're sitting down, all those people like towering over you. Yeah, like, especially when you're close to your stop, you're like, how do I get out of here now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I always just stand up. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. That's a good question. I like you asked a question related to the episode. So, similarly, before we jump in, maybe it's going to become a new thing that we do. What's your... um? What is like the biggest thing, the biggest worthwhile thing that you learned or like experienced in the pandemic? Just since this episode is related to the pandemic. Well, like biggest thing I learned, like what like lesson, life lesson. Yeah, something. about yourself or to teach something broad, whatever. Um, that. Hmm. The big one. That's really difficult. Can I come back later? Yeah, will I give my answer while you're trying yeah. to think of one? Well, I'll the, come back later. Sure. The biggest thing for me was like. I guess they kind of connect to each other, but, like, learning to just take things slow. Like, there's no rush, you know. Sometimes trying to rush things, it doesn't help the matter anyway, the problem or whatever you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, and to not get too wrapped up in things that you can't control. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the very beginning of the pandemic, I was panicking and, you know, checking news articles every day and stuff like that. And after a while, it's been, like, Making myself aware of this isn't going to help the problem. I can't do anything about exactly. the problem. I'm tough anyway. So. Yeah, so I may as well just not concern myself about it too much and just focus on the things I can control right now. And those things were like, you know, my mental health Wanking. and exercise. <laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> stuff like that. I could control that. So you know, just within reason, put the most concern you have into the things that you actually have control over. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's good to be aware, obviously, but I think being too aware can become a problem because you start to worry too much about something you have no control over no I, I agree that's yeah. one of the most important lessons in life 100% cause... yeah absolutely I would I'll come back later sure yeah. sure it's a good I, I like this we checked in this in future yeah. ask two questions that, that are in theme with what the episode's there well, one more that's thing cool. I wanted to say sure is do you have those people that on Instagram that just seem to like every story you put up or no like just yeah I, I, I don't mind like, it though I find it endearing but sometimes I'm like, you don't even know what this is or care. Why oh, really? Like it? It's like... <laughs> I don't think I've ever experienced it where I've been, I've been like, this person does not know what this is. <laughs> That's interesting. Is this like the music things you share or something? Yeah, sometimes yeah. music stuff. It's just like... Like, if I love Hacker That, you'd be like, dude, I know you don't listen to this artist. I'd be like, <laughs> thank you, but I'd, I'd also be like, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I guess the weird thing about liking a story is like, it doesn't... You know, if you like, if you like a post, that helps the post 
see it has more people see yeah. it it doesn't work that way with the stories if you like the story that's literally just for that person yeah you know what I mean yeah it's kind of weird I think I've ever done that well no I have actually it's only like I've liked stories when it's specific yeah. you know to you know if you're saying like someone liking something they, they clearly don't even know what they're liking yeah that's interesting but anyhow let's jump in today we are covering the very hungry caterpillars it's the 20th episode of the 34th season and let's jump in so we open up on marge struggling to get maggie to eat pancakes and <laughs> she's going here comes the breakfast bus oh big girls open up for the pancake express chugga chugga choo choo is it a train or a bus yeah which is it train or bus make a choice it's whatever gets her to eat anything that's not covered in ranch dressing <laughs> baby's crying marge you ever have ranch dressing? Yeah. I think it's severely overrated. It's overrated for sure. It's yeah. nice, but it's, it pairs well with certain can. things. Really? Like, okay. I think it pairs well with spicy stuff. Yeah, it does with a kind of... Um, what's the word? I don't know. evens it out a little bit. But Domino's garlic dip is superior. Domino's garlic dip? No, of course I've had that. I don't yeah. know why I got confused there for a second. Yeah, no. <laughs> of course I've had that's that. That's like me being like, I, I, I like cookies. Chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think. I think I've had those before. Well, it was more specific. It was Domino's, but of course I've had yeah, that, yeah. Everyone's had it. I think only watching this comedian the last day talking about, like, he was ashamed of stuff eating Domino's because he lives in New York City, which is, like, the best pizza yeah, in the world. So he was like, why the why the fuck did I order Domino's? That's so stupid. Because <laughs> there's probably, like, 50 other pizza places. Yeah, around the corner. Right? Yeah, that are better than Domino's. <laughs> Dan Soder, very funny comedian I got into recently, who I'd recommend. But yeah, Homer's reading the newspaper and we see, it just says, uh, Springfield Shopper uh, acquires new larger fonts. It's always in giant letters. Loads of really fun signs throughout this episode. They clearly just, again, just stuffed as many jokes as they could into it. But Mary says he refuses to back down on, Mag- on, on, on her new no more ranch policy to Maggie. And then Maggie just is about to cry and cut to her eating ranch. And then they all get an alert warning. Uh, with Ken Brockman reporting that a caterpillar outbreak has brought Springfield to a standstill. We got to Arnie Pye interviewing uh, Professor Frank, who's the head of the CDC, the Centre for Disgusting Caterpillars, and he says that the, this caterpillar, known as the Dutch Knee Slurper, is highly irritant to human skin and ranks on the yuck, ugh, gross scale. Uh, he ranks number nine on that scale. We didn't cut to Quimby, saying that there's nothing Springfield can't stop with being none of they can't stop with quiet discomposure and he announces that all school work and roads are closed as Springfield is in lockdown we then cut to Lisa saying that this is the third once in a century disaster in the past year she says that alarmist twitter is alarmed sarcastic twitter is making it into memes and conspiracy twitter is believing in them it's very good commentary there exactly what yeah. twitter is and unfortunately it's only getting worse and worse because of x and all that elon musk stuff I, Just... I, especially at the moment i've been trying to like i lead with my time on social media oh me too yeah i just seem to feel i don't know if you're the same but i i've had sessions recently where i've read for like say two and a half hours or something or yeah three easily yeah i'll read uh-huh. and i'm like oh that felt really good i finished a few chapters there like that was this is a good book uh-huh. and then totally. i'll go on social media for like five minutes go off that and feel terrible yeah, yeah. Like, i just read and felt felt amazing and i've just gone on here for five minutes and i feel horrible mm, yeah sam Merle had a great joke about that it was like um finishing 
finishing like a round on TikTok is the exact opposite of the feeling of finishing a good book. So when you finish a book, especially a big book, you're like, ah. Whereas you finish like yeah. looking at TikTok for a while, you're like, ugh. What have I done? Yeah, yeah what have I done? It's so fucking true. Yeah, I, I set a new rule now where I only go, because Instagram is definitely like my biggest addiction. I only go on Instagram once a day now. So I, I click into it, I check everything, and I know that once I click out of it, I can't go back on. That's good. It's I, a good rule. It's really been working I for me. I never really quite got hooked on Instagram. No, Instagram's definitely is. been the biggest I, one I for me. I go on it and I can easily go off it. I sure. Everyone's on. addiction is different. Like I know a lot of people who are like really obsessed with TikTok. I think you were at one period. Yeah, I yeah. never really got that into TikTok. TikTok's crazy addictive, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, 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 I need to do I, I think I was just very conscious going into it that like I only wanted to make this account to post my own videos. My only issue you is know? I've learned like so much <laughs> from TikTok. Yeah, like sure. Recommended but stuff, good stuff, and I've been there. like, "Oh, I'll check that out." And I've, yeah, sure. I mean, there's good stuff there. There's good content. It's just like you know, you are you can suffocate yourself with that content, and yeah. it can lead to, you know, all the usual um, procrastinating and unproductivity. So it's yeah. it's good to shy away from it for sure. But uh, Homer says that there's tons of lockdown hobbies such as breaking bread, jigsaws, and family ragtime jazz band. We didn't cut them all watching steak, cake, or fake. Which is obviously a reference to that Netflix show, um, Is It K, which was huge a couple of months oh, yeah. ago, I remember. <laughs> um, but she's showing, they're, they're looking at a, at a steak, it's like, well, what do you think it is? And the lady says, it, it's definitely a real steak. And, and the host just goes, I'm gonna say steak. Okay, now if you're wrong, St. Jude's Children's Hospital will forfeit the million dollars that you've already won for them. So? Then it's time to reveal the truth. This steak is cake choke on your lies stinking fake he struggles with the controller and ends up signing out of the account and i really relate that because a lot of those smart tvs the, the controller is so not user friendly yeah i know they're such a pain it's like why can't you just make them the old school controller remote control was perfect why make, did you change make that make them smarter yeah they, i mean literally like yeah a very smart control well I, I think they did try to make them smart but in doing so, they made them less user-friendly, you know? Yeah. She's, like, very sensitive to the human hand for some reason. Um, but then Bart just shouts at him after signing up, and like, you crazy figured caveman! And Mary says he all need to go to bed, and tomorrow everything will be back to normal. We didn't cut to, we see the caterpillar problems getting worse, we see that they're covering the power plant, they're covering Krusty Burger, and they've made Laird Lad... Uh, uh, they've put a beard and a hat on Laird Lad. And we see Kirk protesting outside the Springfield Town Hall. He has two signs that say, one says, think for yourself. Another says, who benefits from caterpillar lies? <laughs> um, By the way, I feel horrible after that donut. Really? Yeah. <laughs> we had a donut before yeah, we started. Big donut. In theme. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I asked Seb which one he wanted, and he went for a Kinder Bueno one, which is a nice donut. But notoriously the most unhealthy one they have. And just makes you feel like crap afterwards, yeah. yeah. And you, you do. And I ate yeah. the whole thing for a podcast because I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I guess if, if his energy seems lower today, that's why. He had a big old donut. That's hilarious. I mean, it is delicious, but I, I stay away from it just because I know, to be honest, like, I, I, <laughs> I bet there's some fat fucks at your workplace. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, but then there are people who come in, like, regular, and I'm like, how are you? How do you look this good? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it might be like they're one treat a week or something. It's like motivation, maybe. I see all these donuts and I'm like, fuck you, donuts. I'm going to lift some weights. Maybe, maybe. Or they're like, if I fucking go to the gym six times this week on the seventh day, I can get a donut. You know, could be different motivations there, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I do find that 
the shittiness you feel after that Kinder Bueno one doesn't isn't worth like the goodness that you feel while you're eating it for five minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel bad saying that because you're obviously currently experiencing it, uh, but it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely the case. Well, yeah, but Kirk is protesting. He says a lockdown uh, must end because the streets are safe and there's no danger, and he gets hit by a car. Great commentary. First perfect character they've chosen. We literally had the whole episode earlier about him being a conspiracy yeah. theory nut. Only like four or five episodes ago. And it was just a great commentary because, you know, obviously there was that whole thing in the lockdown of people thinking COVID wasn't real. So it was just a great commentary, like, to have the caterpillars that are so clearly there. You can see them. There's still people who don't believe in it. It's very cleverly done. Uh, we didn't cut to um, Bart in his room. He's, he's doing online school, which was, like, triggering. <laughs> I, I finished... Uh, uni in the lockdown so I remember these yeah. oh very yeah I know yeah these really just demotivating online classes because it's, it's not the reason why you went to college like but Skinner's welcoming all the kids to chat hippo the online learning chat that's free provided that he <laughs> reads out ads and he get, they gets an alert and he's like okay looking for the most player friendly battles and parlays try oddmonsterscrypto.com Bart goes and checks out the website and he sees the New Zealand rugby and he's like, whatever rugby is, Wellington sucks at it. So he gets really into his website and time has passed. He obviously hasn't been attending the class properly. He then checks Chat Hippo again. We see another funny little text that just says, homework. Uh, number one, it says, read a book. Number two, ponder math. Um, and then another thing just says, click here to boost your testosterone overnight. Which is another ad. Uh, we see that Skinner has left his camera on. And he clicks into it, and he Skinner just goes, "School's over, mom. Can you make um, your famous mac and cheese?" And Agnes comes in and asks him to pretend that he's not a helpless infant while cousin Peter is visiting. Cousin Peter, who is obviously Skinner's first cousin, voiced by Rob Lowe, very brilliantly in this episode, he says if he's uh, locked down, that he's glad that it's with the most tender, gentle woman he knows, referring to Agnes, obviously. <laughs> and Bart messages Millhouse, and we just see a bunch of messages that Millhouse sent before this. <laughs> it's literally just sup, wanna hang? These are all separate messages. Wanna hang? Hey Bart, wanna <laughs> hang? Seriously, wanna hang? It just suits Millhouse. So <laughs> it's so much. perfect. It just makes so much sense that he would be that friend, and yeah. that Bart would be the friend that would only contact him when he needs him. <laughs> then Bart messages him to to check his computer. Millhouse is the kind of guy to poke you on Facebook and oh dear. Mess- message you asking why you didn't poke me. <laughs> 100% or like why didn't you like my Instagram post like, yeah. I, th- I thought you'd like it I thought you'd like that story <laughs> um, and, and then Cousin Peter again just dissing Skinner just goes how could someone as effortlessly charming as you to, uh, give birth to a son who turned out to be such a burden and I just goes he won't walk to the store because he's afraid of street magicians <laughs> We didn't cut to marriage saying that if she tries, that Maggie tries a new sauce, that the, the dips fairy will leave a quarter under her pillow. She just like tips the sauces over, and Maggie's like, my ramekins! We didn't cut to over, just as a precursor to people listening who might not have seen the episode. This episode is, in a good way, I think, all over the place. There's so much storylines going on, so there's going to yeah. be a lot of jumping here. Um, but it's done, done incredibly well. We cut to Homer trying to find out what his password was. He goes, um, super secret password? That doesn't work. Sexy marriage? That doesn't work. 
<laughs> like quietly sexy Bernice <laughs> that doesn't work um, Martin asks Homer to see if Ned has any rash dressing and he uses a flamethrower to burn the caterpillars on the way to Ned's house <laughs> it's just great voice acting again from that Casanetta just always great with the vocals just like screaming in joy as he kills these caterpillars you know this whole episode reminded me of um, do you know about the um, the crickets in um that town in America that took it over. No, that sounds terrifying. Was, oh my! They're called um, Mormon crickets. <laughs> they are. I kid you not. A cricket is like that big. Fucking hell! And I'm gonna show you after the podcast. Um, but I recommend people go check this out. Just search Mormon cricket infestation. Jesus! There's a town in America this year, back in the summer. Back in the summer. Back in 2023. Yeah. This so year. before this episode even, or after this episode yeah, came yeah. out, then. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, so I wondered if they got the idea from that. No, they wouldn't have because this this would have came out like before the summer. Oh, okay, okay. This is towards the end of season thirty four now. So this is probably like right. April or May. Or okay. if you're saying this happened in the summer. This is that's, that's just another fucking Simpsons yeah, predicted this. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's bizarre. They, they they basically migrate through these like towns every year. I think it's in Arizona somewhere. Jesus. And um, but this year they didn't migrate properly. But there was like a lot more of them mm. so literally people's whole driveways and houses are covered in these massive mormon crickets that is terrifying it's horrible Did this town have they, to... like, they managed to like get into houses and Ugh. yeah oh my god yeah. that makes your skin crawl was this town did he have to do like a lockdown thing as well no no i just think people couldn't leave their house kind of thing so they kind of did they, they didn't want to but they could if they really wanted to yeah. right they didn't actually shut places down but no i don't think so yeah but people weren't comfortably in their houses i'm guessing god that's spooky it's like a stephen king novel or something absolutely terrifying <laughs> Alfred hitchcock movie yeah, Ned, Ned is talking about how these characters have a real end of days vibes. He's like, not, 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 not hoping for the righteous who is saying to God, uh, while the rick, the wreck go to hell. But if it happens, you know, <laughs> I loved his whole obsession with the end of days thing here. It felt very true to his character that he's just like, you know, he knows he'll go to heaven and he's ready for it. Like, but we see that he has like a mini supermarket of supplies in his basement, which was very in tandem with the character too, because we knew the whole thing from Bart's comet where he had the the bunker. Yeah. So, you know, he... It he, make sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like, he, we know that he prepares for stuff like this. And Homer just goes, how long have you been planning to lose your mind? <laughs> and then he just goes, now give me the food that was meant to ensure the survival of your children. And Ned starts, like, imagining a montage of, like, Homer passing through on a lawnmower, stealing the kids' foods, um, him paying a rap at the steal of Ned's carrots, and the last one is just an, an ant Flanders carrying a bag of grain up a hill that get eaten by a grasshopper Homer. Love that one. You can tell the animators had a lot of fun making that one. That was so inventive. And then Homer just cuts him off being like, Hey, mustache, pump it up, chump. And he just gives him like one little square to ranch dressing. And he's like, the Flanders market is closed to you, Mr. Grasshopper. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and it just felt really like out of character. It did, but I guess it was like he, it was the beginning of him going a bit crazy because yeah. he's locked up in his house and like being obsessed with his end of days things. So I think Homer just disrespecting him was like the last straw there, you know. Which we see a lot. Like he's very forgiving to the Simpsons, but it can be very quick for him to lose it with them also. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've, we've seen that a bunch. We then cut to him giving a little bit of ranch dressing to Marge, and Marge is like, I guess if I ration this carefully, I can hold Maggie over for a day or two. And then Lisa comes rushing in on her phone. She's like, this lockdown's going to go on for months or forever or longer. We didn't go to day three. So it's just saying all the days throughout the episode, basically. This is day three. We see the house is now 
absolutely covered in caterpillars and Lisa's like fiercely reading through headlines <laughs> one says RIP infrastructure and there it says caterpillars take over comedy club and the last one is just giant crystals seen hovering over Shelbyville You've obviously fake news that she's falling for and again as I said about the pandemic thing earlier I definitely related to Lisa here like at the beginning for sure I was panicking looking at those new news articles every day seeing like the people that were dying and like more countries where cases were popping up and stuff like that like very very relatable because we hadn't experienced anything like that in yeah. our lifetime so really relate to it <laughs> she's making all those noises and just brilliant voice acting from Yardley Smith there and again Homer's reading the newspaper indifferently just like Marge Lisa's making that noise again <laughs> we didn't cut to Homer taking her up to the basement and giving her an early Christmas gift from Santa Merry Christmas why am I because Santa delivered it early this year. Really? Why? Because he, he doesn't have long to live. He then opens it up and we see it's Malibu Stacy's invitation only mall. He's like, I'm distracted. Again, it's a nice little detail like, in the basement, or the attic actually, we can see this, um, there's a Mr. Plowjack in the background. It's a nice little... Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, nice little detail there. We then cut back to Skinner's house. Uh, Agnes is looking at old photos with Peter. <laughs> Peter's like, why is Marilyn Monroe there? Just like the most fucking obvious compliments are so not true. Uh, she shows Peter an old quilt that the generations of Skinner women have been con contributing before, uh, contributing towards all, all making pictures of the sons that disappointed them. And Peter just goes, he heaps of beauty unharmed by the passing years, much like its owner. <laughs> he gives it to her, and or sorry, she gives it to him, and, and, and Skinner's like, mother, you, you promised me that quilt. And she, she's because I can promise whatever I want to whoever says nice things to me Agnes starts complaining that Skinner gave her half a computer for her birthday with no keyboard And Skinner's like it's a tablet mom She's like that, that sounds made up to me <laughs> She's just like your prom date she's like, You met Charlene you spent on a Kleenex and wiped her makeup off <laughs> So specific but like yeah really relate that I remember hating my mom would always do that She would like lick her finger and clean something off my face like don't just tell me where it is man. I hated it. I was like, just tell me where it is and I'll do it myself. Don't yeah. put your spit on so me So gross. So so gross. I remember hating that so much as a kid um, We didn't cut to Lisa making the dollhouse um we see that she's, she's made like this big massive mole, basically. And again, funny coincidence that like Malibu Stacey was a big part of this episode. And then obviously, later on this summer, Barbie was a huge movie. Mm. I wonder was that a coincidence or did it just work out that way? Because obviously Malibu Stacey is a reference to Barbie. But yeah, we see she's like riding her dolls up an escalator. And she realizes that she doesn't need to freak out. And they, they all just turn her heads to her. And one of them asks how she can play when the world is collapsing around her. <laughs> it was like we may be born in a shop but we're not unaware and just to say I thought this was like some of the best voice acting I've ever seen from Yardley Smith like who does a great job as Lisa but Lisa is basically just like a slightly squeakier version of her voice and Lisa's the only character she voices but here like obviously the characters were all Lisa's voice like her doing a country accent and a American Valley girl accent and a British accent but I thought she did a great job of voicing yeah. all the three dolls and also just like Lisa's distress as well throughout the episode just done really brilliantly by her okay then, then the dolls start like throwing all these news reports at her they tell her that the caterpillars cause a lettuce shortage and riders got attacked at a uh, at a Whole Foods and everyone goes I'm, I'm just gonna say it I think this is the new normal and Lisa starts panicking again 
we then cut to Homer failing to disguise mayonnaise as ranch dressing. He's like eating it like a joker, but he's disgusted by it. And then Marge says that they're gonna break into Ned's basement and steal his ranch. And Homer's just like, babe. And she's like, get the bolt cutters. And yeah, I, I thought just every character's motivations here made so much sense. Like, I can see it's being perceived as being out of character for marriage, but it is just like, this is how much she cares about wanting her daughter to be happy, you know? Yeah. And, she knew, like, right now, all that would make Maggie happy was to give her this ranch dressing, so she's willing to break into Ned's house to get some, you know? It made perfect sense to your character. I think it's, um... I've always found it interesting, like, however progressive Lisa is. Yeah. She always likes the Malibu Stacey. Yeah, that's for sure. It's one of those things that, like, yeah, she wants to be, like, you know for lack of a better word, woke, and, you know, she's progressive, and she's obviously liberal and vegetarian and everything else, but it's like, she still is an eight-year-old girl, so there's gonna be things like that where she just can't help but be attached to them yeah. and like them, you know? Yeah, I, I, I like that part of her character as well. It's, it's always just like a, a healthy reminder that she's eight years old, you know? We didn't cut to Barrett in his bedroom, and he's eating mayonnaise like it's yours as well, but he's totally cool with it. At least he's like it. <laughs> um, we didn't cut to Skinner crying, and he's like... Yeah, again, he's like on. He's left his camera on, but he doesn't know that he's being watched by all the kids. And he's like, "How could you give my quilt to this scheming Adonis?" And he says he'll treasure this quilt the same way she deserves to be treasured. This is Peter, obviously. Um, the kids are now all find out that the quilt was Skinner's security blanket that he called Mister Knock Knock. And Milhouse just goes, "That's his blankie. You can't take a man's blankie." And great line from Ralph just goes, "Tell Mister Purple Shirt to stop crying so he can." sit at his desk and tell us it's recess <laughs> and they all form the lions to help Skinner get his blanket back we then cut back to Lisa's room we see the, the dolls have all now built a barricade out of Lisa's shoes and they shrink her down so that she can join them and they're like welcome to the mall and Lisa's like oh I am not handling this lockdown well um, we then cut to Marge and Homer breaking into breaking into Ned's house and we hear them singing He's, he's singing to the kids about the rapture. Raptures are coming, going up to paradise. Gonna wear a halo, angel wings look nice. Saying hi to Jesus, how you doing, Cherubim? Hugging the apostles, high five of seraphim. Sinners got a softer, eternal torment. Satan's got a pitchfork, knows how to use it. Built for going down and chewing on your ligaments. Screaming for forever, whatever ligament. But they're like sneaking the whole time while he's playing the song and just as soon as he stops singing Homer drops a jar and he just comes rushing down um, and he's like whoever's down there to the mass supplies the end of days is coming a little earlier for you and he's just like hitting a croquet bat as they say all that like genuinely actually quite petrifying he's a bit scary yeah because yeah, you can see he's just losing his fucking mind like um and like he, he's about to go and hit marriage and Homer just jumps out and it's a sweet moment like he's saving her he just goes hey psycho over here <laughs> he starts marching towards Homer being like he who steals from his neighbor shall wreck the crochet mallet a reading from Ned Flanders and they have a big old fight <laughs> he jumps in being like I'll die before I don't take what's yours and the fight was just great it just felt like I feel like this is like we, what we've been waiting for for 34 years. There's just always been tension between them. It was like, yeah. I'm surprised we haven't seen a big brawl it's like this happen sooner. Yeah, yeah. It, it was so great. Um, they, they started throwing cans at each other. <laughs> at one point, Homer like, is choosing between hard pretzels or soft pretzels. <laughs> he chooses hard and throws those at him. Um, 
And then Flanders grabs him and goes, You want to dip? Let's dip. And he just starts drowning him in a ranch dressing. And I thought that Homer was going to end up, like, drinking the whole thing. Yeah. So he couldn't drown him. Uh-huh. But I was thinking, actually, that's more like Patrick Star than Homer Simpson. I guess so. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been too surprised. I mean, those characters definitely have similar things going on. Patrick and Homer, for sure. Um, but I guess it was more realistic because he, realistic, he yeah. was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't, like, managing to get through the whole thing because it was a gigantic container. Yeah. He was being drowned, but he didn't mind he was being drowned. So I, I thought that, like, that was funnier to me than if he just had the whole thing. Yeah. You know, for sure. And then um, it got me thinking about just the iconic... Um, when he's just being fed donuts in, in hell. <laughs> That's you with the Kinder Bread You're like, yeah. donuts, do you have all the donuts in the world? <laughs> so good. I want to get that framed. Just that, like... Such a great photo, yeah. Over, it's you know, suffocating himself in that container of donuts that, like, crudely grab and watching over him. So confused. It's meant to be torture, but he just loves he's it. He's in heaven. Yeah, yeah. It's so great. Did you ever see the toy they have? There's actually a toy. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I yeah. I saw it on some... And he, like, page. shits out little donuts. It's yeah. Such a weird toy, but it's great. So so cool. But um, yeah, we then cut back to the Skinner subplot. Um, we see Nelson calling Peter, but he's like his 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 face is like a shadow, so we can't see him. And he tells him about an anonymous post on bedspreadtrayers.com and he offers Peter twenty five thousand dollars for the quilt. Um, and then <laughs> Nelson's mom enters in with a puppet being like I made a puppet you can do Jeff Dunham jokes for me <laughs> it was so great that is the most detail we've ever gotten to Nelson's mom and it just oh, made yeah. perfect sense that she would be a Jeff Dunham fan <laughs> so stupid I loved it and then Nelson just goes not now mom I'm talking to a grown man online <laughs> then Peter says he's not being tricked out of selling the quilt especially after all the time he spent conning it out of that horrible woman we see that Skinner and Agnes have seen all of this by watching it on um, Agnes's tablet <laughs> and uh, Skinner just goes how dare you take advantage of my darling mother she's she's an IBS survivor <laughs> she's such a weird detail <laughs> I love that he says it like she survived cancer like IBS survivor. Agnes like grabs Peter and throws him out to the caterpillars, and he's just like, "My face!" Um, I mean, he was clearly written to be a horrible character, and like it was an obvious kind of conclusion to him, but it was still satisfying to see him go out <laughs> to those I caterpillars. Just, I was thinking, when you're um, like seventy, mm. if you make it to that, um, why me? I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> you drink too much, man. Um, I'm gonna buy you a shirt that just says, "I survived the." 2020 COVID-19 pandemic <laughs> when I'm 70 just so it's just something so to cringe. like show the, the grandkids yeah, yeah yeah let me tell you about the pandemic I don't know why it sounds like this for some reason hopefully that will be the biggest event of our lives Jesus yeah I really hope so <laughs> we have, don't have any other natural disasters like that anyway <laughs> yeah yeah that's what I know um, Ben Skinner goes back to the computer and he's like I don't know who you are but I thank you from the bottom of my heart Skinner sucks 42 <laughs> something <laughs> name of Bert we then cut to uh, um, back to Ned drowning Homer he's like still wants your precious ranch neighbor and marriage tells him to stop and Homer comes out and he's like buffalo wings I need buffalo wings and marriage says Ned's a wonderful person who's never shown anything other than compassion to their sometimes challenging family Ned tells her to keep the ranch because he needs to put the Christian back in extremist Christian end, time, end times prep and he apologizes to Homer, who is now willingly drowning himself in the ranch. <laughs> I thought that was funny. He was drowning, but he enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, very well done. We then uh, cut back to Lisa in the dollhouse. They're like 
put all, all this furniture and make like a massive barricade around the house. And she's like, we need more furniture. Give me that mannequin. And one of the dolls is like, that's my boyfriend. <laughs> just bring him over. His name is Malibu Kevin. <laughs> and he's just like, have to be a part of the service, babe. And just makes himself part of the furniture. Um, and then a caterpillar confronts Lisa. And so she shrugged the caterpillar who's bigger than her. But the caterpillar just starts eating lettuce. And she sees that it's totally harmless. And one of the dolls again just goes, may I remind you we're in a crisis? And Lisa just goes, no, that's all you ever do. Every time there's a little optimism, you come with bad news and squash it. I don't want to, I, I don't want to be with you anymore. I, I don't want to play with you anymore. And um, it's very well written. It's, it's her talking to her anxiety, you know? Yeah. Really beautiful and like quite deep. Beautifully written. Very beautiful. Very, very well done. Yeah, just like I couldn't have worded that more perfectly. Just incredibly well done. Um, and again, this kind of relates to what I was saying earlier, like what, what I learned from the lockdown. You know, it was like learning to relax and to be hopeful and to just be, be patient and everything else, you know? And as she's speaking, we see that um, Ned is helping Marriage and Homer get back home, and we see Skinner like cuddling his blankets. Really, really beautiful ending. And one of the dolls just goes, that was beautiful. You really think this will all be over soon? And it just goes, nah, lockdown's going on forever. <laughs> Count on it. I thought that was very well done. It was like, she wasn't being unrealistic. She was just being more hopeful. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought that was, yeah, really, really well done. We didn't cut to five days later. We see that the, it's over. The caterpillars are gone now. They, they've all turned to butterflies. We see Ken Brockman reporting on it being like, as our long regional nightmare ends, we emerge into the blinking into the sun, vowing to move on, to forget and learn nothing. <laughs> Which I thought was funny, but also true. It was like we a lot of people grew and like learned things about themselves in the lockdown because of that alone time that they had and that time yeah, to just yeah. isolate and detox. But so many people went back to the way they were beforehand. You know what I mean? And I say that something I, I genuinely don't think I did. I I, I didn't. I didn't like who I was 100% before the lockdown and I worked on myself and I didn't I didn't revert back I think I, you know I, I mean? actually became worse after the lockdown or before like, during during the lockdown I think I became a worse person Jesus do you I think, think I've, I'm better now yeah sure I, think, I don't think it did me any good whatsoever sure it, it's totally different for many many yeah. different people don't get me wrong but yeah but I guess it was just like the message of the lockdown too because it was like you know we were all kind of connected with the same problem and that brought us together in like a weird way, but like in a way that I thought was quite beautiful. Because like the entire world had the same problem, and I think we lost what that feeling was. Yeah. You know, what I mean, we didn't hold on to it. So I, I think it's written in a very funny way. But that, that's like the deeper meaning to that joke that I thought was very well written. We see, yeah, we see all the caterpillars returning to butterflies, and they start attacking the family, and they all go back inside again. And our final tag, we see that Homer has stolen Flanders' streaming password. <laughs> we see it's it's not like Netflix or whatever; it's like a Christian streaming service called Godflix. Igudeli has had so much on all these different shows. I had to write them all down. Master of Nuns, Jesus PI, Kevin can go save himself instead of Kevin can go fuck himself, blaming Eve, breaking bread, the the Mary Virgin Moore show. It's always sunny in Bethlehem. Prayer of East Town. How I Met Your Savior. Better Call King Saul. The Real Manger Wives of Bethlehem. And Kirby Agnosticism. 
and we get like a holy version of the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme, theme song over the credits I thought mm. was very well done by very Hans well Zimmer done. and his team yeah fantastic yeah I thought this episode was wonderful yeah same here my feelings yeah 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 no um, like you were saying earlier like as a warning like there's loads of different plots and stuff going on just so. because it, it definitely and, as, as me reciting it definitely seemed yeah. very jumpy and and you're right but they nailed it they really like, did they, yeah. they absolutely nailed it like mm. I didn't I was so um, on the edge of my seat for this episode yeah and, like focused the whole time because they just kept the excitement going and absolutely like, they never let anything drag and no every single story was so interesting mm. and unique and I haven't seen an episode like this and because mm. I thought initially when I thought the idea of like oh, okay a lockdown in Springfield I was like kind of, of like obvious I was the same yeah, when I first heard about it I was so like alright bit late they, yeah. they did it so well they really did um, I think for me the, the, the Skinner's story was the most entertaining one for sure because yeah. it Ditto. just further um, cements how pathetic he is but <laughs> yeah. he still came out on top he which did is why it would, that to me was such a complete story because it, it could have mix. easily just rinsed Skinner yeah. instead like we got to rinse him and it was hilarious and we like gave him compassion as yeah. well yeah definitely. and Bart saying stuff like um, no don't feel bad for him you know like mm. just it's, it's always been that way but then like feeling yeah. bad for him in the end anyway and like even though even though Skinner's never aware of Bart it still kind of is, a, is yeah. a nice thing for their relationship you know um, I, I like to see the darker side of Ned sometimes yeah, that for was sure. entertaining mm. um and it, it, what I liked about it was it's you kind of almost forgot that there was a lockdown outside. Yeah. Um, because everything was so well done. That's a good point. It's, it's yeah. almost like exactly what happened to us in the pandemic. Because it went on for so long that we would forget about the lockdown. Or we're just concerned about whatever our own little problems are in the house. Yeah. And you start getting wrapped up in those. Like, you know? all of this could have easily happened without the lockdown even happening outside mm-hmm. you know? but that added um, extra layer that, exactly yeah, yeah. It made it more interesting for um, sure I loved it man I'm gonna give it an 8 8 yeah fair yeah yeah, yeah. I thought it was fantastic as well I, I gave it an 8.5 really really loved it pretty similar to what you said really I just thought um, it was a great episode brilliantly utilising all five family members which I, I always give credit to episodes I'm actually sorry to interrupt yeah. I'm gonna revert my score to an 8.5 yeah yeah. Fair. I was just thinking well this is one of the best of the season. So. 100%. Yeah, yeah I'd agree. Just super well written. Like you said, especially when there's three stories going on, you would think it might get a bit messy or they wouldn't be able to give time to certain stories. There was no story that I felt needed more time here, yeah. which is bizarre and saying that there's three. There was none that I felt like it, it was rushed or anything. So, so well done. Um, I, thought, I thought it had a great arc for Skinner and Ned. I want to give huge props to Harry Shear for this episode for his sensational performance in both roles. But I can bear in mind that Harry Shear is Skinner and Ned, mm-hmm. who I thought both had the best arcs in this episode. So, like, incredible job great. from him. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I, I thought he gave a lot of great depth for Agnes. Like, this was the most we ever really got from her, like, mm-hmm. as a character. You know, like, just seeing how easily led on she can be. But then also, like, genuinely does actually have love and compassion for her son. You know, I thought that was really well done. I thought Lisa's story was grounded in a beautiful human way like I, th- I thought it really grounded because the other two stories are kind of chaotic mm. whereas hers were like a very human relatable like I felt like that, that she, how Lisa felt was probably how most people felt in the pandemic you know what I mean so uh, she was the perfect character to have given that too and it, just, it, it grounded the and story in a nice way and everyone in the family had a really important role that's what I was episode, saying yeah right? yeah like huge props to an episode that can give 
an important role to all five. Like, yeah. even Maggie has something going on in this episode. Like, I always like, appreciate an episode that can literally do something with all five. Because there's plenty of episodes where, like, Homer, Marriage, Bart, and Lisa are utilised a lot. But it's rare that they literally get all five in there. If you can find something for Maggie that, like, makes sense, you know, like, I really respect that. Um, I thought Marriage and Homer doing all it took to make Maggie happy was very well done, really sweet. And, like, their bond in that, in that uh, side story was done really well. Uh, I, th- I thought the dynamic between Bart and Skinner was really beautiful, like I already mentioned. Uh, and yeah, just like I already said, it had three stories and yet never felt overstuffed. The pacing was perfect and there was no plot line that I felt needed more time. It was just, yeah, yeah, I love this episode. Really, really great. Yeah, alright. Fantastic. Let's move on to the news. Dylan Simpson news, Dylan Simpson's news. Dylan Simpson's news. Two pieces of news this week. I mean, I'm constantly reporting this, but just they're always really cool. And I'll... I'll never be able to afford one anytime soon, but Eddie Daz has launched three new Simpsons shoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, have you seen them? I haven't seen them. I saw, the, obviously, the Homer Bush one. Yeah, that one's great. Yeah, that, that one was from a few weeks ago, but they launched, I mean, I think literally only this week. These are super new. One is just called, again, these are, like, really nice because they're very subtle. This one's called the Homer Simpson, and it's just, like, yellow and brown, like the brown of his oh. beard. So nice. Oh, at the very back, it's like his face is, like, peeping through. So, very nice shoe. The other two are, are a lot more subtle. One is called Clouds, and it's just like you know, the clouds of the opening oh, of the cool. show. Yeah. yeah, really nice. And then there is called Living Room, and it's just like the color aesthetic of the lit- the living room. So, like, a lot of brown and, like, dark pink and stuff like that. Really nice shoes. They're nice because you'd wear them, and people wouldn't know it's a Simpsons yeah. shoe. You well, know, they're just perfect, nice shoes. That's a perfect shoe. Though. Exactly. Yeah, the people who know can appreciate it, but... Yeah. You're not walking around obviously wearing Simpsons yeah. shoes, you know. So I, I think they're really well done. Yeah, and so the second piece of news just to keep it in I've, theme. I've seen a lot of those those hoodies. Have you seen them hoodies with Homer with the bush on it? They're like green. Yeah, that was great. I, I, I want to get them. one. Yeah, they're really popular at the moment. They're yeah. in, I've seen them in Primark. Yeah, I really want to get one of those for sure. Just such a great meme. I actually only saw David Merkin reporting about that meme recently. He's a, a major writer in The Simpsons. He was a showrunner in seasons five and six. But he's posted that meme being like. I wrote this joke many, many years ago because it used to be a thing when I was a kid that whenever things got awkward, I would just hide in the bushes. And even back then, I knew it was going to be a meme. Nice. <laughs> that was the joke. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in the 50s, like, so... Yeah, really funny. 50s or 60s. But yeah, to, to keep it in theme, I also wanted to... A piece of news, just like uh, this website called MovieWeb ranked every single Treehouse of Horror. And I thought that was a funny little article worth the read. I'll just report the top five but mm. two that I want to mention I thought were cool was number 19 was not it which I wouldn't even thought to include wow. the it parody yeah which I wouldn't even thought to include but it makes sense to include because it is basically a Trials of Horror episode yeah so that was cool to see that there well and I was thinking it might be higher not it yeah I would have probably ranked it higher I definitely would have put it in at least a top 15 personally yeah great episode then number six I was surprised but happy to see this get ranked that highly number six was the season 34 one nice the one that we did yeah, the most recent one like yeah, yeah that was number six yeah wow deservedly i think it's fantastic it is very, very yeah good, it's yeah. fantastic but i think we really cool to see it get caught up in like the golden era yeah, yeah. so it was cool to see it up, be, being ranked that highly the number five was season 21 i actually personally prefer the season 34 one to this one but it's, it's a really great one it's one is a, a hitchcock parody it was a parody dial in for murder but they like fit as much hitchcock parodies as they can in that one mm. um uh, I one where zombies take over Springfield. That one's really fun, and a Sweeney Todd parody. So that's a great one. Number four, season two, obviously the first ever Trials of Horror. That's the one with the haunted house. Yeah. The introduction to Kang and Kodos, where they 
of Dr. Simpsons and The Raven parody. Number three, season seven, had to be there, of course. That's one with the mascots taking over, the Willy being Freddy Krueger, and Homer going into the 3D universe. So yeah, really great one. I was surprised on season one number one. This is my personal favorite, as you probably know, season six, which is the shining one, the time-traveling toaster, which is my favorite yeah. of horror, and the nightmare cafeteria. Well, most people would say that's the best. I feel like that's the popular one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they were probably being a little bit out of left field yeah. here with this one. Uh, personally, I like this one, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't rank it as number one. It's season five, which is the one you mentioned, where Homer sells his soul to the devil for a donut. Uh, the one with the gremlin at the back of the bus, and the one with Mister Burns as Dracula. Yeah, I. I the thing is, I can't disagree with it. Oh, it's, it's fantastic! It's still an amazing. I one. don't judge it at all. No, it's yeah. a great dress of horror. Because I don't even know what my favorite would be. Sure. Yeah, it's still a great one. I just wouldn't put it number one. Although I will, I will say one thing that episode does really well. It's unique to any other dress of horror. Is if you remember. It's like Barry is like in a gallery, and he's like talking about all, all these paintings, and that's how they connect all the three episodes together, is because of the gallery. It's, yeah. like, it's like a parody of that old Rod Serling show, Night Gallery. Uh, that's that, that's done really well. I think that's might be why they put it number one because that is definitely a very inventive thing that he did in that episode that they never brought back. But I thought that was done so well. But yeah, let's move on to Seb's classics. <laughs> For well, you're already nine. <laughs> yeah. Is it even worth talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's not even um, talking about. Let's move on. Yeah. But yeah, I went for homophobia. So homophobia. Season eight. Oh, I um, love season eight so much. Season eight. Golden television. Season, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is about well, Marge makes a friend that kind of integrates with the family a little. Yeah. Bit. Well, they all they all make friends with him. Yeah, yeah. John. But I think it's because of Marge initially. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. because she's selling her. Um, her antique sculpture yeah. that her grandmother had because they can't afford their gas bill. And she gets there and you find out it's just like a liquor bottle. It's like, oh, I guess that's just another another part of the story of my grandmother hiding her alcohol addiction. And, <laughs> Which um, is Homer's like worried that he's making Bart gay. And I think like when you watch the episode, like clearly Bart is just kind of mimicking adult behavior which is what you do as a kid yeah. yeah so he's mimicking um, what john's doing so so we can see how homer would think that yeah but he's so incredibly insecure yeah um, and literally and they could is. not make this episode now my god i think they i think they could i think it's think? i think it's done in the right way yeah because yes homer is absolutely homophobic in this episode but it's done to serve the story yeah and you I, know I, I, I don't think it's offensive it's, in how it does it it's done more to make fun of homer yeah, I think people would be more prickly about it if it came out today. Yeah. But I think it's, I think it's aged really well. Yeah, yeah, I think it has as well. Yeah, totally. Now that being said, I think the gay steel mill scene is so funny. It's so stupid in the best way. Homer's like trying to, he's he's trying to like straighten Bardo because he's convinced he's going gay. So he takes him to, to a steel mill. It's obviously that's just the most manly men in the world these people who oh are just God, mining coal, coal yeah. all day and he's like hey could you introduce Bart to all your other men and it's like sure hey fellas would you like to meet <laughs> meet me Homer and Bart Simpson here and they always go hello <laughs> I was like what the hell <laughs> don't you know we're a gay steel mill <laughs> it's so thing. dumb if they're too butch Probably get it. Yeah. <laughs> one of them like catches fire a little bit, you know, one's like, Oh, did you spark in your hair? I'm trying to get it out. <laughs> like, so camp. And one's coming through with like a, ma a massive basket and he's shirtless and he's like, hot stuff coming through. Yeah, so <laughs> it's just so flamboyant, so stupid. And then perfect at the end then like 
everybody dancing now starts playing and Homer's like wait what, what's happening and the guy's like we work hard we play hard <laughs> so good. and like I was thinking about it as well like, you couldn't have picked the more perfect song like there was no other song that would have that suited that scene better than everybody 100%. that was so good and I think Homer's just trying to find an array of things to make that are super straight. manly yeah. yeah so he takes in beer hunting with um with uh, Mo and Barney yeah <laughs> the bit as well where he's like what did they say to Bart? Something about oh, you want to do something manly? Like Bart says this. Like, why, why, why didn't you like teach me how to drive? He's like, oh, you're ten. You're too young to drive. Let's go hunting. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, oh, okay. <laughs> and then uh, they end up shooting Santa's reindeer village. Yeah, because there's there's no there's no deer in like the Springfield woods. They go they break into Santa's village to shoot reindeer. So ridiculous! Like he is he's a very bad person this episode, and but love, it serves I love the story. The episodes that like suddenly go wacky. Like yeah, this. for sure. But um, still, like like this episode is very human, has a beautiful message to it, but it never misses the opportunity to tell great jokes. You know, which is like a perfect in this episode in my head. And like we don't need to tell you how good this episode is because it won an Emmy. Did it? Uh, I actually yeah, didn't know that. Wow. For Best Animated Program, I, yeah. I take it. Yeah, wow. Episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Deservedly so, absolutely. I didn't realise. There's so many other great episodes in Season 8. I know. They probably personally yeah. would have given over Homer's Phobia, I but I get why it won. Yeah, exactly. Because of how topical it is. Exactly, at the time. It was in the 90s. Like yeah. One of the first cartoons to have a whole gay episode. Character. Yeah. yeah, yeah, an episode, totally. Love the bit as well where Homer's talking about like uh, wanting to invite... John his wife over drinks sometimes and marriage like trying to tell him like you know I think he prefers the company of men who are like oh doesn't everybody yeah. like no Homer I, I'm i pretty sure John is a homo yeah sexual ah! <laughs> what else did you think she was going to say <laughs> um, wait, it's so like, this isn't one of my I wouldn't say it's one of my favourite classic episodes but it's amazing and I'd give it a 9 out of 10 yeah I'd agree uh yeah, I'd say I'd go nine as well. I think it's a fantastic episode. I think because of the deeper stuff surrounding it, it's not one that's like as as immediately fun to yeah, rewatch. True, but it's like as in like it's not one that I would jump to as quickly as I might jump to like I don't know Homer's Barbershop Quartet or Homer exactly, Goes College because yeah. those are just like super silly episodes. But it's one of those ones when you put it on, you're, I remember how yeah, much I like it. It's not it. a casual episode. Yeah. No, it's not. But anyone that when I put it on, I remember how much I like it. Yeah. One thing I definitely noticed at this time as well that I didn't notice the other time is how much they're making fun of steel mill, steel mill workers. Because obviously in real life, those are just the manliest men on the planet. So doing the whole thing about them all secretly being gay is really just to piss them off. At the very end of the episode, a title just pops up being like dedicated to America's steel mill workers. Uh, keep reaching for that rainbow, boys. Sorry. Yeah. You just know they definitely were just trying to piss them off. Yeah. Like, so, so funny. Yeah. There, 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 there are so many great gags in this episode. I love the bit as well where um, Bart starts wearing a Hawaiian top. And almost like. Um, the only people that wear Hawaiian shirts are, what is it, gay people and really fat people. Really fat party animals. Oh, yeah. And I, I, don't think Bart's, I don't think Bart's a fat party animal. <laughs> and Bart's like, so it's okay for you to wear a Hawaiian top? Like, okay, now you get it. <laughs> and one of my favorite lines of the whole episode, I literally laughed out loud of this bit watching this time around is um when Homer's talking to Marge about um how he could be gay and like you know like Bart Bar Bar might never have kids or anything um I can't remember exactly what Marge says but it's like 
basically saying, oh, that, that, that means like, maybe you could be gay. And Homer's like, well, I could be. When was the last time you had a baby? <laughs> such a ridiculous line. So Especially great considering that Maggie is meant to be one years old. So the last time she had a baby wasn't that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful episode. Just a, a, another example of why I love season eight so much. It just has so many great episodes that are unique. And this one is certainly Definitely one of them. Unique, yeah. yeah, great episode. So now, jumping on to my next segment, is uh, who acted in this episode? Switching it up! Yeah, I I decided to switch it up because, um, obviously, the whole reason I did the who wrote this episode um, segment was for the writer's strike. The writer's strike is now over, thank God, but the the actor's strike is still ongoing. So I thought it would be a fun way to mix it up while that's still happening as respect to the brilliant actors on The Simpsons. Um, it's just de- dedicate like a section to a few of those. Obviously, this, this will probably end pretty quickly because there's not that many actors on the show, but it'd be a fun way to do it, I think, for the time being. I decided to dedicate this one to Harry Shear because, as I mentioned, I thought yeah, he was definitely the highlight of this episode being Skinner and Ned and just uh, such a huge, huge contribution to the show. So just a little bit of history surrounding Harry Shear. He was a cast member on Saturday Night Live through their 1979-1980 seasons. Uh, he wrote and starred in This Is Spinal Tap. Mm. He has hosted a radio show in Los Angeles since 1983. Still wow. hosting it. Called Lay Show. Yeah, I, I didn't know this. This is crazy. So The Simpsons isn't even the longest running thing he's done. This has been since 1983. Bizarre. And he's like published albums of this radio show as well. That's won Grammys and stuff. So he's a huge success with this. It's like, it's like a political satire show. It also has music and stuff. So super cool. If anyone's ever interested in like jumping down that rabbit hole it's all on his website you can actually watch them like like a podcast uh he's won an emmy for the simpsons episode four gretting's in a funeral um great episode season 26 i'm surprised he hadn't won an emmy for the show prior to that yeah it's surprising very surprising that episode his main character in that is kemp rockman and it kind of follows kent in a very deep way that the show had never done before so probably a part of why it kind of got people's attention um just to name out some of the characters that he voices, just to show what an insane contribution to the show he has been. The most main characters he voices are Ned Flanders, Principal Skinner, Mr. Burns, Smithers, Lenny, Dr. Hibbert, Reverend Lovejoy, Otto, Scratchy, Jasper, Rainier Wolfcastle, Eddie, Kang, Judge Schneider, Largo, and also whenever Satan or God are on the show, he voices them. Just what a range. Oh my God, insane, what yeah. Range. You can't compare any of them. Like, no. Ned and Skinner... And Burns, like, none of them sound alike. It's crazy. Their traits, yeah, you, you wouldn't think it's the same actor. Just, yeah, a- incredible. And again, just a, for, like, a top three, I was trying to give, like, top three episodes where I think he, he really shines as a voice actor. These are the three at the top of my head. I went for Road to Cincinnati, which is the one with Chalmers and Skinner that I yeah. spoke about before. Adds so much depth to Skinner's character. He's great in that episode. Number two, I went for Rosebud. Don't need to, don't need oh, to explain Rosebud. Yeah. Uh, definitely the deepest sort of character arc we've gotten for Burns and also Smithers is a huge part of the episode meaning that Harry Shearer is a huge part of that episode and yeah just just voices them both brilliantly and number one I went for Hurricane Nettie Ned, Ned isn't my favourite character outside the family I definitely would put Burns and Skinner above him but I think in terms of like performance I think this is like at the top of my head the best he has done because 
you have that crazy dramatic monologue that he has where he does an outburst to everybody in the town yeah. that is done brilliantly and then just him going to the asylum and stuff and like finding out all this deep stuff about Ned's life it's just so human and grounded I think it's some of the most beautiful work he's done as a voice actor for sure but yeah I, I kind of just chose those episodes because obviously his biggest characters and his best characters in my opinion are Ned Skinner and Burns so I wanted to pick episodes where all three of those characters really shine so yeah just huge props Harry Shearer just amazing yeah, let's jump on to Recommendation of the Week. Yes, Rock, Paper, Scissors. Oh my god. You won! Oh well done. Is it Rock? I Happy go days. With, do I always go with Rock? I guess so. Maybe I always pick Paper and that's why I usually win. I'm not sure. It's hard to keep track these days. But yeah, he, he beat me this time with uh, either the old scissors and he rocked my world. Yeah. He really did. <laughs> I, um... Oh, you actually have show and tell today. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've, I've gone for the um, Malcolm X autobiography. Oh, wow. Autobiography? Yeah. He wrote it? He there, So there's an introduction in the book, which is like a quarter of it. Okay. Which is done by someone else. Oh, it's unfinished. Um, which is like someone who was interviewing at the time leading up to his death. I see. He was like going around with him and stuff. Right. And then... The rest of the book is actually his like memoirs. Wow, and, I never knew he um, did that. And what a guy! I mean, mm -hmm. everyone should look up to Malcolm X as someone who was misunderstood at the time. Time, yeah. Um, and was just fighting for what was right. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'd thoroughly recommend it. It's one of the best biographies I've ever read. Wow, um, there's so much to him that we don't get taught at school. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Cool. Amazing, awesome, and uh, it just reminded me because um, I'm not going to name his name, but um, there was a meeting at work, mm. and there's this American guy that works there. Okay, and oh no, and in this meeting, he said, uh, "Obviously, he didn't mention Malcolm X, but because yeah. it was Black History Month, we were talking there about Black History Month." Yeah, and he said, "I'm nervous." He put his hand up. He said, uh, "Do you guys have um, Martin Luther King here?" What? <laughs> that's not where I saw lot, that going. There's a lot to dissect in this question. That's so like, funny. What do you mean? Do we have like? Is he here? <laughs> do, do we know him here, or do like? What does that even mean? You set it up so well. You made it seem like he was about to say something really racist, yeah. but he actually just said something really fucking dumb. <laughs> Obviously, what he Martin means is, do we know about him? But it's just a really of strange we way do. to word a question. Do you know how aware the entire world is of American politics and history? Yeah. Of course, we know one of the most iconic figures. Especially in terms of racial history. Yeah. Of course we know Martin Luther King. Crazy. That's so funny. Um, and the you guys have Martin Luther King. What I also wanted to show you is, um, it yes. actually reminded me. Okay. Um, do you know about, like, LeBron James lying? Do you know about his, like, whole lying stuff? That he lies a lot? I've heard about this, but I've never really gotten any, like, deep analysis of uh, about it. So when this book came out, someone, uh, he got interviewed... Yeah, about the book. Oh no! And and this this is another um, LeBron lying meme. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um. So you're holding the autobiography of Malcolm X along with Alex Haley. I don't know how far you are into the book, but what's your biggest takeaway so far? Um, I kind of just started a couple of days ago. Um, but um, I've read and a lot of a lot of notes over the years. Uh, it's my first time actually reading this from start to finish. Um. Just a very um, 
very smart man. Very, very, very smart man. And basically, um, his words in the, in the 60s. And, uh, no, dear. What's going on? It's actually what's going on today, still. Uh, him understanding the, um, how powerful um, the Negro can be. I'm cringing. Just uh, a very, very, very smart man. Very smart man. We've all seen that before. Just like somebody <laughs> pretending to have seen or read something they obviously haven't. So it's, they just say the most vague yeah. things. It's the way he's looking up at the camera. And he decides to like fully be like, I actually uh, read it from uh, start to finish. <laughs> it's like, no, you didn't. You clearly haven't. Say those vague things. Hilarious. Anyone could have said, oh, yeah, you know what I, what I thought about reading that book was like. Sort of smart man. The things that happened in that like still apply today. Like, yeah, every, anyone could have guessed in, that. In the 60s. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the, the vague things you know about him. That's so funny. I, I must jump down that rabbit hole sometime <laughs> and see other things he's lied about. But that being said, LeBron James wants to be on the podcast, you know. Just, yeah, Come well, on down. <laughs> Imagine this thing in the middle of us right here. How weird that would be. Uh, I actually did watch the uh, the, the episode. <laughs> it's, uh, it's actually very funny. And, uh, I like uh, uh, Homer. He's a very smart man. Mm, that Stewie, of course, is a great character. <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Uh, Peter Peter Griffin? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't even correct him. I would just let him <laughs> dig that hole for himself. So. Uh, just a very uh, good uh, episode. Yeah. <laughs> the thought of it being here. That's too funny. Just in a little fucking office chair, just like man spreading <laughs> in the middle of us. But yeah, cool. I don't think I can top the recommendation. That was a very deep one. My two were just like stuff I enjoyed. Um, That's fine. Yeah, keeping it in the season, I'm recommending uh, two movies actually that are like, you know, a first movie and a sequel. Is Creep? Have you seen Creep? I have actually. I'm surprised you watched it. Yeah, I saw both yeah, of them only very recently. Very creepy film. Well, very creepy honest. film. Like, Great horror film. I think the best found footage. Hundred percent horror I've ever seen. Mark Duplass is just the sensational. Way it's not. Um, when I watched it, I thought it wasn't very predictable at all. No, you really and, don't and see the where way it's going. That he sometimes pops out of nowhere. Yeah, um, they're they're jump scares, but they're when not he's obvious wearing that like wolf mask. That just sent shivers down. Yeah, petrifying. Yeah, really well done. Matthew Plass, is since, uh, he's one of my favorite actors ever. He's such a good actor. Uh, but have you seen Creep 2? Yeah. You have? Yeah, I think yeah. it's better. Do you think? I think it's far superior. Wow, yeah. okay, fair enough. I'd probably give, like, if we're, if we're doing out of fives, I, I'd give Creep a 3.5. I would give Creep 2 a 4.5. Okay. I think it's one of the best sequels. It's such a great sequel because it can only exist with the first one existing. Yeah. But it doesn't live in the first movie's shadow. No, exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? It's his own thing. It's his own thing, but it still honors the first movie, but not in like an obvious way. You know, it's not dwelling on the first film. It's just so well done. Such an unpredictable horror. It's scary in a different way than like any horror I've ever seen. And just beautifully written as well. Um, yeah, and, and the girl, I don't know her name, but the, the woman in Creep 2, brilliant actress, just... Creepy the whole way through. Very short films as well, which makes it even more like worth the watch because you, you get it done. They're both like only an hour and 20. Yeah. So you get them done super quickly. Um, yeah, both on Netflix, well worth the watch, especially during the Halloween season. I always like to watch some spooky films and those two are well worth your time. Yeah. For sure. Fantastic. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Was that your only recommendation? Um, that and the LeBron James oh, video? Well, if we're talking about um, movies, I watched um, Community, Woody Harrelson film. I haven't even heard of it. I thought you were talking about the... No, TV not show. the series. Uh, Woody Harrelson film came out this year, I believe. Community. Um, Are you thinking of Champions? 
Oh yeah, why do I call it community? Community is the TV show. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was called. It could be called Community, and you know? it wouldn't even maybe be yeah. a weird name for it. Yeah, um, Champions, the basketball Champions, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah I didn't see it, but it looked yeah. great. And I love the Parley Brothers. Yeah, that, and everybody has it, of course. Just a really solid, feel-good film. Nice. Like I could only recommend if you are just looking for something a little bit casual to sure. watch in the evening. Yeah, and and I love Woody Harrelson, so what better film? Totally. Really no, good. I must check it out. He's a great actor. I love the Family Brothers as well. They did like Dumb and Dumber. There's something about Mary. He's like great comedy directors. Um, cool to see them. They did the movie Kingpin as well with mm. Woody Harrelson years ago. So cool to see them working with him again. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, check it out. And my final recommendation is Strike Force 5, which is a podcast. You heard of it? No. Great podcast. And I know how you might be feeling recommending podcasts. You're like, oh, it's going to go on forever. It's only 12, par- 12 parts long. It's brilliant. So basically, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Seth Meyers, um, Stephen Colbert, and John Oliver, who are like all the big uh, American. Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel linked up. I know, yeah, they did it. I thought they'd be like rivals. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's what's, what's so wholesome about it. Is you can see that the talk show hosts all really appreciate each other, and it's nice because they're friends, because they all have a job that like nobody else knows the intensity of that job, so they can kind of relate to each other yeah. through that, you know? Um, but basically, it, it's a podcast they did during the, the writer's strike as a way to pay their staff while they were out of work. So, like, they they got no profit from it. It was all that went to their writing staff, which is super nice. Um, it's basically all five of them just talking shit for an hour, but it's so great. Sometimes it jumps to just them just being ridiculously stupid, and I, I have laughed out loud just on the tube listening to it. It's yeah. so funny. But then sometimes they get deeper and talk about, like, the challenges of, like, making four shows a week and stuff like that, and I found that background really interesting because it is an insane job. Like, I've always thought about what an insane job it would be to be an American talk show host. Like, English isn't as bad because they only do one show, like, typically once every Friday, like Graham yeah, North and stuff. Yeah. In America, they do a, a show Monday to Thursday. That's a gigantic job. So it's just really interesting to hear them talk about that background. Um, like, the pressure they feel like they're having to, like, make an, a, a full hour of content every night. Um, yeah, just really, really fun for, for people who are interested in that history of comedy and stuff like that. Really interesting. But it, it also just gets really, really funny and stupid as well. If anybody wants a jumping off point for that podcast, episode five, I thought, was just pure hilarity from start to finish. I, I couldn't stop laughing listening. It was just a solid hour of just ridiculousness. Nice. Um, yeah, it's really, really fun podcast. And it's a fun one to recommend because it's 12 episodes and that's it. So it's not like a huge commitment, you know. Yeah, well, worth to listen. All right, we jump on to the questions then? Let's do it. Very in theme this week. We have two questions. They're both Simpsons related. So, Aoife Duncan, a buddy of both of ours, asked, uh, who is the most true-to-life character in your experience? Interesting question. It is interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a correct answer. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there is a character that is, by there definition, is. the most true-to-life. There is. At the top of my head, I, I, I would say there's a few that we'll discuss. I, I would definitely say Lisa is up there. I'm going to say Mo. Mo, not to be like depressing, but interesting. Mo sometimes is realistic yeah. because of how fucking glum he is. Yeah, yeah. I get that because he's never like happy go lucky. He's always like drowning in his own sorrow. Yeah, I get that. Mo is very funny in horse phobia as well. We didn't mention some of the quotes he has in it. And um, I would probably say Krusty. Krusty, interesting. Because Krusty, you always see like he's the... troubled. Yeah, you never see like the glamorous show business side. Yeah, you see the rub part of show business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Very true. Constantly striving for more. 
and always only coming out half-baked. That's true. At the top of my head, I'm thinking Lisa for sure. It's just a very, very human character. The writers always say they put their own frustrations on Lisa, which I think makes perfect sense. This is a part of why I think she's so human. <laughs> I mentioned this in the past, but I, I do find Skinner quite relatable. The older I get, I find it more relatable. Again, it's just the whole thing of like, we all have that thing where we're trying to be adults, trying to look responsible, and sometimes we end up looking stupid as a result. Yeah. And that happens to Skinner all the goddamn time, so that makes him super relatable. So he's definitely up there for me. Um, off the top of my head, like this is kind of this, this is a deeper one, but in a way, Mr. Burns, because we know so many fucking yeah. money-hungry billionaire tycoons in real life, and. It's it's like a reminder almost. It is, yeah. yeah. Like the more that we're hearing about these things, the more they seem like Mr. Burns. I'm talking That's... about like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and stuff yeah. like that, you know. Actually a great episode that they should do soon should be Mr. Burns buying some parody of Twitter just to address all of that stuff. Yeah, that, that would be cool. That would be a great episode, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a good. I think we answered that question pretty efficiently. We gave a few examples. Those are all very relatable characters, I think, for sure. It's it's, it's all fun because The Simpsons is obviously written for everyone to be kind of like a stereotype. I really think there's only like a handful of very relatable, very true to life characters in there, but there yeah. are a few. I think Chief Wiggum as well. He's a jokey, jokey character, but we do hear more and more about, especially American police officers being totally incompetent, yeah. which only serves <laughs> his character, you know, yeah. completely. Yeah. And our final question, I think we've actually been asked this before, but it's still a worthy one of answering. And the answer could have changed is, um, and again, in, in theme, a Simpsons ship post and stuff. Very funny meme page. Just purposely very stupid memes. Very, very silly fun page on Instagram. Asked, um, favorite Treehouse of Horror segment? Mm, we have been asked this before. Yeah, I was thinking that, yeah. Um, I've always said my number one is 100% the time-traveling toaster. I love that one. I think it's just just the best. I'm, it makes me happy. This time, because I'm sure, mix it up. I'm feeling at the moment is is Homer in Hell. Homer in Hell, the the the, yeah. the donut one. Okay, yeah. that one is fantastic. It's such a great simple Homer story because it's so something he'd do. Yeah. If it's he just could. iconic. Sells his so soul iconic. for a donut. Like, <laughs> like it, it's it's the best because of that. Like, if he sold his soul for infinite wealth or something like that, it wouldn't be as interesting. It's the fact that it was for a goddamn donut. <laughs> so funny, yeah. Just to give a different answer than I've given before, like, ones at the top of my head that I think are brilliant. I think Simpsons World, the one that this season, oh, yeah. just brought me so much so joy. Good. It felt like such a love letter to the fans, you know. It was creepy as well as I had that Tears of War thing going on, but it also just, all the references to older episodes and characters and stuff, it just felt like such a, like, a way of the writers like letting us know we see you guys exactly, in yeah. a way that they couldn't do in the regular show you know very well done um, another one I haven't mentioned before that I really like what's up there this the Sweeney Todd one I mentioned earlier which is mm. from season 21 that one's great the whole thing is like Mo create Homer dies and Homer or Mo uses his blood to make a really delicious beer and his success makes marriage fall in love with him basically and the whole thing is done like it's like a stage show like they're performing for an audience and they, they have like all these interaction and stuff and there's music obviously because it's a sweet Todd parody it's done very very well um I related to it also from having done theater growing up it's like amateur theater stuff happening in it and it's yeah just a really really well written segment um yeah Trace of Horror is always a worthwhile one to talk about especially during this season but yeah I think that wraps it all up thank you guys as always Lovely, for listening yeah. Let's meet up. Let's let's hang. Let's chill. I said let's not even let's yeah. not even do the intercourse. Just put your sperm into 
a little while like and inserted into me and then I'm going to be pregnant with your babies. Mm. Sounds good, right? But be sure to dress up as Homer while you're doing yeah. it. Well, I am a homosexual. <laughs> All right, guys. See you later. Ciao. Good luck. Good <laughs> luck.